Hey, it's Libby Denkman, the host of SoundSide, and today is Giving Tuesday, a global day of giving back. If you value KUOW and the time you spend listening to us, please consider supporting SoundSide and KUOW. All Giving Tuesday gifts will be generously doubled by the Rainier Institute and Foundation, up to $150,000. So it's a great time to give. You're going to double your impact. There's a link in the show notes to donate, and thank you. You're listening to SoundSide. I'm Libby Denkman. The Washington State Department of Transportation has a lot of very expensive projects it has to manage in order to keep people moving around. I mean, think of all the crumbling roads and bridges, and then there's that aging ferry fleet. But we recently got some pretty massive sticker shock for a different project, one that's aimed at improving the way salmon move around. See, the salmon culverts that are supposed to allow water and fish to move under roadways... Well, they haven't been working very well. The state is legally required to fix that, and lawmakers just learned that's going to be very, very pricey. Seattle Times transportation reporter David Croman and investigative reporter Mike Riker have reported on what the $4 billion increase to tackle the culverts will mean for the state's transportation budget. And when I spoke to them this morning, they said some things that really surprised me, including the fact that it's the little streams that can cause the biggest problems. Here's our conversation. Mike, to start off with, what exactly are salmon culverts and what's the problem with them? Sure. So culverts are typically large pipes. They're made of metal or uh, concrete that run under roadways. They they carry streams or water under a road. And uh, fish, as we all know, uh, migrate from large bodies of water up into uh, the watershed. And the problem with culverts in many cases is they're designed in a way or they're not maintained in a way that, uh, that actually blocks the fish. So uh, salmon uh, and, and tr- uh, steelhead trout uh, cannot migrate up or down uh, as you know, uh, natal or uh, juvenile fish when they're swimming back out to the sea. And what exactly is going on with the cost of replacing these culverts? Why have they gotten so much more expensive? Well, Washington State uh, has been working on this for a number of years. Um, A federal injunction um, issued by a federal judge in 2013 uh, required the state to fix a large portion of its culverts by 2030. And uh, for the initial years, the state kind of lagged. They they didn't build many uh, or replace many culverts. They're are more than 400 that they have to replace in Western Washington by 2030 to meet the uh, the federal uh, deadline, and uh, and so in the initial years they were spending about or less than 50 million a year on average, and by 2021 they had only replaced 84 of them, and at that point they really started to ramp up their construction. And in the last couple of years, they realized how much more expensive the rest of the culverts will be. Um, They are going up uh, in cost because the projects are more complex than the first ones that the state did. Uh, For for years, the state was looking for projects that had a lot of habitat gain. So they would measure the distance upstream of the culvert and say, if we if we replace this one, you know, the fish can access a thousand meters or um, or maybe even a mile or two of, of habitat. 
And in many of those initial uh, projects, they were they were simple. They were in undeveloped watersheds, so there wasn't a lot of um, there weren't a lot of buildings around them, and it maybe was just a straightforward replacement. But now they're getting into uh, Interstate Five and I ninety, and projects that are significantly more complex. The average cost went from $5 million per replacement in 2018 to uh, now $20 million per, uh, per culvert going forward. And, you know, there are things like um, they're building multiple bridges to go over these streams. They're, they have to relocate on and off ramps. Um, and they have uh, complex engineering uh, that that they're they're seeing now in the the upcoming projects because of things like poor soil conditions and then there's a whole other um, transportation side of things Uh, you know the construction on transportation has really sky or construction costs have really skyrocketed in recent years as there's more demand around the country for transportation projects there's a labor shortage which is also driving up costs and the state's also using a lot of consultants, and so that's more expensive than in-house employees because they're racing to meet this 2030 deadline. So they're really, you know, throwing a lot of people at this project, and all those things are, are leading to this huge spike in costs. So basically, even though it's been, you know, 15 years or more since the judge's original ruling, most of the initial culverts the state was tackling, they were kind of low-hanging fruit. They were the easiest to address. Now it's getting a lot more complicated and the economic picture is different. The cost of these transportation projects is different. And whoops, that price tag just about doubled. Uh, David Croman, you report on the ways that the legislature is trying to tackle big transportation projects in this state. How did the lawmakers react when they first heard about this really big price jump? I mean, they kind of reacted with a bit of dismay. Um, This is a big price tag on its own, but this comes um, in a series of big price tag jumps. So um, the the legislature or legislators that I talked to sort of thought that their legislative session in 2024 was going to be dealing with primarily highway cost overruns. So both I-405 and 520 are, are turning out to be much, much more expensive than they anticipated. So they they kind of thought those were going to be those their big problems. And then come along the fish culverts, which um, sort of blow those out of the water. Um, the, the context here, though, is the, the legislature doesn't really have a choice in this matter. I mean, they have some choice, but are much more um, bound, duty bound to fix these fish culverts because of the court ruling. And so um, what that means is, is they're probably... I mean, this is a problem that they really have to face. And so the question becomes, what happens to those other problems that are not um, mandated by a, a federal court? Do those slow down or get cut in order to make room for the fish culverts? Yeah. And David, give me a sense of what are those other projects on the Department of Transportation's to-do list right now? And what could this really big jump in price for the culverts mean for those? Yeah, well, I mean, zooming out a little bit, you'll remember in 2022, the legislature approved a 16 or nearly $17 billion transportation funding package over the next 16 years. And at the time, it was seen as this really big, ambitious thing that was going to finish all these 
um, highway projects that had been started. You know, I, I mentioned 520, 405, um, gateway project down near in Pierce County. Um, and then in addition to that, it, it invested all this money into transit um, and the ferry system, you know, $1.3 billion for the ferry system. And so it was seen as this big, ambitious project. Now, suddenly, with the combination of 520s overruns, 405 overruns, and this fish culvert, that's not looking like at all that ambitious package anymore. And so it raises questions around, you know, do, do they, you know, there's a demand in Spokane for, um, you know, a new highway corridor. Does, does that ever get built? Or if it does, does it get delayed? Um, you know, the, the long-term plan for the ferries is to build 16 new boats. They have funding set aside for five of them. Um, but I, you know, how does, does the timeline on those new ferries slip? We don't know the answers to that. And, and it'll be part of what they talk about. I mean, really beginning this week and into the legislative session, but it, it makes the math uh, on a lot of these large scale projects just a little bit, a little more challenging. I just come back to the fact that it's been 10 years since that court injunction from Judge Martinez um, forcing the state to move on these culverts. Are any of the legislators asking the Department of Transportation why they couldn't have more accurate cost projections for these more complicated culverts, you know, a few years earlier so that the planning would have been a little bit more predictable? I mean, is anybody kind of wondering what happened to the budgeting from the Washington State Department of Transportation here? So the uh, the Department of Transportation has been doing program estimates, uh, you know, periodically over the years. And they, they it turns out they had some faulty assumptions. Um, they thought that uh, the smaller streams would uh, would require or would be less expensive that they would require smaller culverts or smaller bridges but uh, it turns out that those projects are in in many cases actually more expensive than others because the smaller streams are the ones in uh, in often in urban areas and uh, those those bring um, a bunch of other complications like I uh, like I mentioned before development around the projects um, you know, relocating off ramps um, and and engineering constraints. We they told us about um, one thing: uh, a hotel that they they may have to, that the state may have to buy in Port Angeles to uh, to to gain the right of way. So um, you know these these assumptions that they had done over the years had problems in them. Another one is they they thought they would have to build far fewer bridges um, than they do, and uh, now they're finding they they need bridges in part to account for climate change and the increased flows of the of the streams because of um, intense rainstorms brought brought by climate change. So. That was another um, fault in the assumption early on. Is it clear what the potential ecological benefits of finishing this work is going to be? How much of a difference for salmon populations will the last section of culverts uh, make? Right. So this this whole federal injunction and the, the case is based on uh, f- uh, tribal treaty rights. So um, in the 19th century, they signed these treaties that gave them uh, the right to take fish. And they were able to win this um, this court case about uh, 
uh, blocked habitat. And um, what's one thing that we learned that was really interesting is the state, um, so the state has to open up 90% of habitat uh, for the culverts that are, um, that have 200 meters or more of upstream habitat by 2030. And, uh, and the state will get to 80% of that 90 um, by, I think it's by the, I forget exactly when, but they, by the time they spend $3.8 billion, they will have gotten to 80%. And to get the additional 10% of habitat, they expect to have to spend $4 billion more. So it's, it's sort of this um, diminishing returns that they have uh, as they spend more money. Um, and, and so we, we do expect lawmakers to key up on that and to ask, you know, is it really, uh, is, is there another way to go about um, getting the habitat open? Uh, one option is to go back to court. Um, they could, the state and the tribe could, or the tribes could ask Judge Martinez to revisit the injunction and, and you know, now that they know the, the true cost of these projects, see if there's a different way to, to tackle the habitat. David, is it clear whether there's going to be a legislative solution on the other hand, if the state doesn't go back to court or if they're unsuccessful there, um, are there choices that the legislature can make with transportation dollars that will help mitigate this? Yeah, I mean, the, the choices before them are, you know, it, if they if they choose not to go back to court, I mean, that's the kind of one option that we don't know about. It so far seems unlikely that they're going to try to do that, but you never know. But if they don't go back to court, then the two options are really... Um, I mean, the same options that uh, any government faces when looking at a revenue shortfall is you either get new revenue or more revenue or you make cuts or, I mean, probably more likely delays. Um, I think right now, considering and it's an election year, um, y- you know, I mean, really the only option for bringing in more revenue might be increasing the gas taxes. And I don't think there's any appetite for that. Um so, I mean, more likely, it sounds like from talking to legislators would be certain projects would get delayed, um, certain contracts that would be scheduled to be bid out next year, maybe get pushed down the road a little bit. Big problem with that is uh, things just are going to continue to get more expensive. And so the more you do that, the more those projects are going to cost. Mike, the law is clearly on their side uh, on this, and they don't have to say anything. But have any of the 21 tribes that were involved in that original lawsuit said anything about this new assessment of how much replacing the culverts will cost? Well, when we reached out to the Northwest Indian Fisheries Commission, which represents the the treaty tribes, uh, they they did not have a comment. But uh, actually, in today's uh, Seattle Times, there's an op-ed by uh, two tribal chairmen who um, who point out the importance of replacing these culverts and say that uh, you know the state had years to really get get on this construction project and they they lagged and now they're kind of facing the consequences of that as projects have risen in costs um, and essentially they said the state has to stick to the the court mandate and bring salmon back so that you know tribal fishers and and people all across Washington can benefit from the salmon. 
Mike Riker is an investigative reporter for the Seattle Times, and David Croman covers transportation for the Times. David and Mike, thank you very much for being here. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for listening to Soundside. This show is only possible because listeners support us. If you're able to give right now, please check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org.